Welcome to this month's special programming series, Spotlight on Neurology and Psychiatry, on ReachMD XM157. You're listening to ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to a special segment on neurology. I'm your host, Dr. Maurice Pickard, and with me today is Dr. John Rickert. Dr. Rickert is the Executive Vice President for Research and Clinical Programs at the National Multiple Sclerosis Society. Today we'll be discussing new developments in the disease that affects over 400,000 people in the United States and over 2.5 million people worldwide. I know your society began in 1946. Could you tell us what its mission was then and has it changed through the years? Our mission is the same as it was in the 1940s, and that is to end the devastating effects of MS. We do that through a number of efforts, many of them aimed at research to find the cure, but we also spend a great deal of effort in programs and efforts to make life more livable for people who suffer from MS. Could you tell me some of the drugs that are now available? Early on in my career, the only things we used were ACTH and prednisone, and that's probably long gone. But can you tell us now what is available? Well, until just about 15 years ago or so, those really were the only options we had, steroids and ACTH for acute exacerbations, and we had nothing for cutting down on disease activity in terms of disability progression or cutting down on the frequency of relapses. But in the last 15 years, we have now had developed six FDA-approved drugs, Three of those are beta interferons. They go by the brand names of Avonex, Beta Seron, and Rebif. And those are among the first-line drugs for relapsing remitting MS. A fourth first-line drug for relapsing remitting MS is Copaxone. The fifth drug to be approved by the FDA is a chemotherapeutic agent, Mitoxantrone. The brand name is Novantrone. That had already been on the market for the treatment of certain malignancies such as hairy cell leukemia. And there had been suggestions from not so well-conducted studies in the past that chemotherapeutic agents might be helpful. And there was a little data previously on cytoxan and azathioprine and methotrexate, but those studies had never undergone full phase three double-blind placebo-controlled trials. Mitoxantrone was the first of the chemotherapeutic agents to undergo that kind of evaluation, and it was approved several years ago for more progressive forms of MS or more worsening forms of MS. And then the sixth drug to be approved is an immunomodulatory drug called Tysabri, and Tysabri is a humanized monoclonal antibody that is directed against one of the integrin adhesion molecules that immune cells use to get out of the vasculature. Essentially, the adhesion molecule on the T cell binds to an adhesion molecule on the endothelial cells. and It's one of the steps that the immune cells use to exit from the vasculature and into the tissues. And by inhibiting that interaction, Tysabri inhibits the movement of immune cells into the target tissue. And in the case of MS, that's the central nervous system, brain and spinal cord. You mentioned relapsing, remitting form of MS. There are other types of MS. Could you make a distinction and do the various six drugs, are they all available for relapsing, remitting, or when would you make a particular choice of drug? Well, relapsing, remitting is 
the most common form of the disease, and probably about 80% of people with MS have their disease begin as a relapsing remitting form. And we define that as a disease form that has periods of spontaneous worsening and improvement. That improvement may be full back to the previous baseline, but most commonly is a less than full recovery so that after each flare-up or exacerbation, as we call them, the person is left with more and more permanent disability. They are stable neurologically between exacerbations in the relapsing remitting phase. Most people, at least 50%, who begin with relapsing remitting MS will eventually develop some slow progressive worsening either between exacerbations or instead of exacerbations. And once they start to enter into a phase when their baseline slowly worsens, then we say they have entered into the secondary progressive phase. And research suggests that the relapsing remitting phase is predominantly an inflammatory phase and the secondary progressive phase is less inflammatory and more of a degenerative phase of the disease. And the immune-modulating drugs and immunosuppressive drugs tend to do better for the relapsing remitting phase of the disease than for the secondary progressive phase of the disease. And so the beta interferons and copaxone are our first-line drugs in relapsing remitting disease, and they mostly can also be used in secondary progressive phase as long as the patients are still having relapses. Once they've stopped having relapses, then those drugs don't seem to be of any benefit. Mitoxantrone, the chemotherapeutic agent, was approved for these more worsening phases of the disease when the first-line drugs have really stopped being very effective. And so people who are getting worse, severely worse from relapsing remitting MS or more commonly from secondary progressive phase of MS are the people for whom mitoxantrone is appropriate. Tysabri originally was approved for relapsing remitting MS and its data had been really the strongest data to date on efficacy, but shortly after it came on the market several years ago, there were three cases of progressive multifocal leukoencephalopathy, or PML, which many of your listeners will recognize as a common complication of immunosuppressed states, people with leukemias, lymphomas, AIDS, for example, or chronic immunosuppression therapy are candidates for developing PML. And there were two people from MS studies who had developed PML and one from a Crohn's disease study that developed PML. And so the drug was voluntarily taken off the market for a little over a year. A strong comprehensive surveillance program was put into effect. No new cases were found and the FDA okayed its remarketing a little over a year ago. So far, there are no new cases of PML, but for the most part, Tysabri is reserved as a second-line drug for people who have not done as well as we'd like on one of the first-line drugs. It's relapsing, remitting, and secondary progressive MS. About 10 to 15 percent of people with MS never have relapses. They begin with a slow progressive course. That rate of decline may vary over time, but they never have acute relapses and remissions. And so that form of MS is called primary progressive MS. And we have no 
FDA-approved drugs for primary progressive MS. In general, the drugs that we use for relapsing remitting MS, the immunomodulatory or immunosuppressive drugs, really have not done much for people with primary progressive MS. And then a very small percentage of people, maybe 5% or so, begin with a progressive course and then have relatively rare relapses. And those people are said to have what we call progressive relapsing MS because it begins with progressive phase but then has some superimposed relapses. In general, the drugs haven't been studied much in that form of MS because it's relatively uncommon. But once somebody has had a relapse, we tend to use, at least try the drugs that we use for relapsing forms of MS. If you've just joined us, you're listening to a special segment on neurology on ReachMD XM 157. I'm your host, Dr. Maurice Pickard, and with me today is Dr. John Rickert. Dr. Rickert is the Executive Vice President for Research and Clinical Programs at the National Multiple Sclerosis Society. You know, you brought up an interesting point. You're dealing with the FDA with bringing new drugs on the market. I know you spoke before the FDA when the drug was withdrawn and then spoke again when it was allowed to come back on the market. Many doctors read in the newspaper. You can't help but read in the newspaper every day about the FDA. How does your society play a role in being an advocate for new drugs when it comes to bringing new drugs on the market, especially with dealing with the FDA? You know, the FDA has been maligned in a number of ways over the years. And my own personal opinion is that much of how the FDA works depends on which FDA personnel are involved in various decisions. And I have to say that the FDA personnel who have been involved in the evaluation of new drugs for MS have been very reasonable folks. They're incredibly bright, very careful, thoughtful. They take in all the information and they are very collaborative in terms of trying to make sure they get all the information that is needed to make the right decisions. And so they have been very open to conferring with us from the MS Society and various constituents and physicians related to MS in making their decisions. And certainly, for example, when Tysabri was off the market and the process of whether to bring it back on the market and the FDA was setting up its external advisory panel, we began working with the FDA about seven or eight months before the external advisory panel met in terms of trying to be sure that the FDA had all of the information they needed to help make the right decisions. And so that was all behind-the-scenes work. And frankly, we went into it not knowing, particularly early on, not knowing what the right decision was going to be because there was still data being accumulated. But our efforts were aimed at trying to be sure that the FDA had all the cogent information to make the right decision. And I think they made the right decision. Since we have these six tools that are now available, six approved drugs, is there any evidence that starting a patient early on medication will change the progression of their disease and their prognosis? That is an excellent question. And early on when the drugs became available, and even before we had the approved drugs and uh, neurologists were treating MS with the off-label drugs such as azathioprine, for many years the mantra among treating neurologists was, well, let's not start early. Let's wait until your disease really is shown whether it's going to be very active or not. You've developed some disability, and then we'll consider starting the drugs. And by then, 
we've learned that the horse is already out of the barn. And there are good theoretical reasons why starting treatment, immunomodulatory treatment early in an autoimmune disease will have its strongest effect when the drug is started as early as possible in the disease. I'd really like to thank Dr. John Reichert for speaking with us today. It shows that with the exception of trauma, multiple sclerosis remains the number one cause of neurologic disability and it affects the very young in our country. It looks like there is a lot available that wasn't available just 15 years ago. So I'd like to thank you very much for discussing the new drugs that are available. I'm Dr. Maurice Pickard. I've been your host today, and you've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMDXM157, the channel for medical professionals. For questions and comments, please send your emails to xm at reachmd.com or visit us at reachmd.com. Thank you for listening. Listen all month as ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals, features a special series, Spotlight on Neurology and Psychiatry.